I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the talk film society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Heron, assistant editor over at TFS and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I will be your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Each week, a guest and I discuss a film from his filmography, which we're working through in chronological order. On this episode, we'll be discussing Much Ado About Nothing. Joining me to discuss Kenneth Branagh's Shakespeare adaptation is Brendan Agnew. How's it going, sir? It's going great. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Awesome. Uh, so, since you're my first time on the program, um, I get my audience knows that I like asking everyone what they think of Keanu Reeves uh, in general. So, let us know what you think of Keanu, Brendan. Well, I gotta say I'm very happy about the, uh, the Keanu-sance that we're kind of going through here, um, because I think people are sort of keying into the fact that he's a very talented performer as well as being just reportedly a really cool guy. Um, I'm excited for this particular movie because my wife and I have long kind of held this up as the no, Keanu Reeves is not a bad actor. Watch him in this movie. He's very, very good. And I'm just very glad to see that people are kind of keying into like, oh, okay, he's got kind of an interesting charisma and presence. And I think that there are movies that have kind of like maybe misused that or like not necessarily mm-hmm. put them in the in the right lane for it. Um, you know, for example, I, I love Bram Stoker's Dracula in a lot of ways, but I think everyone being dialed up to eleven except for Keanu is kind of this sort of weird step that mm-hmm. I, I I can see a lot of people not really you know not really grokking that. But I really like the guy. Um, I, I really love him in this, and I'm sure we'll get into like some of the particulars as to what he does with Don John that make me really adore this performance. And just you know, overall, I think he's he's great fun as an action star. He's great fun as a comedy star. He's got some real dramatic chops. I, I just you know, and uh, of course you can like read up on stuff from like the crews on movies that he's worked on and like stunt mm-hmm. people that he's that he's trained with, and they're like, man, this guy's awesome, and so. Yeah, I, I'm just a big fan of the guy. Yeah, and so we'll talk about that as we get into it. But uh, some a lot of people point to this as like uh, the opposite of that of thinking that he's a bad actor. And like people talk about uh, like he even got nominated. I mean, we, the raspberries are terrible, so we won't, we won't talk about those. But uh, he got nominated for that. But I'm just saying, like, but I honestly think it's one of those similar to his casting in um, which we talked about on the Dangerous Liaisons episode where. It's kind of brilliant casting him because he's such a modern actor and the roles that he's playing in those movies, including this kind of work to its benefit, which we'll get to uh, as we dive into the movie. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's a feature, not a bug, for sure. Uh, so I, uh, I'm a bit of a Shakespeare adaptation that uh, I love. Uh, there's some of my favorite movies. Uh, obviously, Kenneth Branagh has done two of them, this and then Hamlet. Um, but I just uh, ever since I, uh, you know, was in high school, being quote forced to read Shakespeare, I started to want to do it just because I wanted to. Uh, I just I've never really had an issue, you know, kind of grasping that language. It's just it's just so much fun. Uh, and this is one of I think one of the best uh, there is. It really is. It really is. And uh, Kenneth Branagh is a really gifted director. Um, and this movie, he... I, we were talking like a little bit like before we started recording. This is like one of the horniest movies I have ever seen. It is ridiculous. Like, it starts with this like five-minute montage of just like everyone in this movie is DTF. And Kenneth Branagh is almost in love with every one of his actors, including, including his lady lady as he is with himself. It is ludicrously sumptuous in terms of its visual presentation. And you kind of need that with Shakespeare to balance out how good he is at crafting language. Uh, I think it opens really smartly with, uh, Emma Thompson reciting a passage, uh, from the, from the play of it just, and it's literally just white text on black background, her, saying it very sultrily, you know, like, just, uh, just going, it, laying into it, uh, and it kind of, the passage kind of nails it, right, you know, gets right to the central theme. So for people that might not be super familiar with Shakespeare or may not get that language, I think it does a great job. Like, you immediately know what this play's about. Like, you know, uh, so I think it's a really smart way to open it. And Emma Thompson is, I mean, you can tell that they were, they they were a couple at this time, and you can really kind of tell they have this. Even when they're not on the same screen mm-hmm. together, there's a sort of anticipation chemistry that you get. Like the minute she comes on, you're like, oh okay, the camera really has something going on with her. And then Kenneth Branagh shows up, and then they first mm-hmm. meet, and it and it just sort of the movie doesn't necessarily stop, but that's when you're like, oh, that's why he wanted mm-hmm. to do this. Right, yeah, I mean, obviously they have amazing chemistry because they were married at the time, but, like, the, uh, yeah, like you said, exactly, you nailed it. Um, but then, yeah, this opening shot of, like, this is filmed on location in uh, Florence, Italy, and it's clear, like, it, this is not, uh, this is not sets. Like, this is them filming in an actual vineyard, and it's just some, it's one of the most best-looking movies ever. It's just, like, because it, they can't fake that, like, that's, uh, and it's, you know, he's clearly in love with this landscape and they, the camera just kind of floats over these, uh, vistas and it's not like, there's not huge, you know, helicopter shots or whatever, but it's still like, it's in Italy and they, uh, take full advantage of that. Yeah. He cranes up pretty high, especially towards the end. I kind of feel like he was having a lot of fun getting not necessarily a much huger budget than he had for Henry V, but... I think because with this movie, he didn't need as much in terms of military pageantry. Mm-hmm. He got to really just, um, he got to make better, he didn't feel as closed in. There's a lot of stuff in Henry V where it feels kind of boxed in just a little bit. And with this, he was like, nope, everything, big, huge, wide shots, big, long, circling, like, um, oh, tracking man, yeah. shots and, and one takes. Oh, man. And he is, like, he is just... It, 
again, you know, he's kind of just like showing off, which really sort of, I mean, it, it could be just like show offy in the hands of a different director or different material. But with this, you've also got the fact that like these are military dudes who have just come back from the wars and they kind of need mm-hmm. this sort of like, they need this. It's like, okay, we, we just went through some military action and it is time to get mm-hmm. busy. Yeah. And the, these, again, like you said, that the, he's not only, you know, taking advantage of the, uh, eye candy of the, uh, Italian countryside, but the eye candy of the cast. Cause these opening introductory shots of the men is amazing. Like it's just them, you know, riding hard on, you know, like, on horses, and it's... I legit gasped at... And I've seen this movie many times, uh, but even just re- on this rewatch, just gasped at the Denzel uh, and Keanu shots. <laughs> wow. Like, that, that's... You know, uh, he's taking advantage of that again. So, it's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that Kenneth Branagh is completely straight. Like, I think he might... I mean, the, he really likes photographing, and not just himself. Like, there's some, there's some like hero shots and like sultry camera work going on with some of the male characters. Who are like, wow, okay, I'm I'm having to do a self check here, and and again, it really kind of fits with the theming because this is a very, I mean, it's a horny play too. Like everyone is banging right. in this play. Or, or they are, like, just champing at the bit in order to be banging. Um, like, I, I really... This is one of my favorite... It might be my favorite Shakespeare comedy, full stop. Um, you know, I've, I've performed in it. I've read it a lot. Um, and I don't know if this was my first experience with Keanu as an actor. Mm-hmm. But it was either between this or kind of, like, um, watching bits and pieces of Bram Stoker's Dracula when, when my mom rented that back in the early 90s because um, those were sort of like my early Keanu exposures before the explosion of him as an action mm-hmm. star and things like um, Speed and The Matrix and stuff right. like that. Uh, and so the funny so the funny thing is, is I'm pretty sure uh, the first time I watched this was after, I think in middle school I went to see uh, Twelfth Night. Uh, I live in Wisconsin and we have a it's called American Players Theater. It's a famous uh, outdoor uh, amphitheater, and it was kind of my first. This was that was kind of what made me fall in love with Shakespeare. Was before I read it in high school. It was just going to that play, and uh, so then I kind of just wanted to. I was desperate to see more, so I picked up this movie and uh, yeah, fell in love instantly. And I was even before I kind of fully knew what was what Shakespeare was, or even fully under you know was able to grasp the language or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, so this was one of the first Shakespeare adaptations I saw, so it probably makes sense why it's one of my favorites. But it's also just really damn great. Like, Brana does a great job adapting it uh, and performing in it and directing it. I mean, it's it's clear why he's one of the biggest, you know, uh, he's the Shakespeare guy, uh, and he earns that reputation with this movie. I can't really just grasp having to do that sort of double duty of of adapting Shakespeare, knowing Shakespeare on a stage level, having to adapt your performance to the screen level, directing the movie, and then also performing one of the lead roles. That's that's ludicrous levels of talent. Like the dude is obviously egotistical as hell, but you know what? He kind of earned it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say, well why are you so full of yourself? Because you can just watch these movies like the movies that he did, specifically this one, go, oh that's yeah. why. Uh, and so, for those uh, who are listening, 
who haven't seen it or haven't heard of the play, uh, basically it revolves around uh, Don Pedro, played by Denzel, uh, just defeat and defeated an uprising by uh, his brother, Don John, played by Keanu. So, yes, half-brothers, Denzel and Keanu, deal with it. It's great. Uh, and... Bas- Good subtext there with the animosity, yeah. like which you don't get in the play, but it adds initially, John the Bastard is the white guy, and it's like, ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so the... Basically, after the war, uh, Don John has kind of said that, oh, he forget, you know, he's... He's sorry that he tried to overthrow his brother. Uh, so let's come to uh, your buddy's uh, villa and have sex like with everyone. Like that's basically what it's. Let's spend a month drinking wine and uh, uh, just having a, having a good time. Uh, and of course, uh, so he visits his friend Leonardo. Uh, as in Shakespeare, everyone's got to be you know there's got to be relations and uh, you know former lovers and all that good stuff. Um. But basically, uh, it revolves around uh, Beatrice and Benedict, uh, Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh were once in love, but are now kind of at each other's throats. But it's still, but their uh, insults are very clearly, uh, you know, they still dig each other. They just prefer to do it with, uh, they're both kind of old cynics of love. You know, they're, they don't really believe in love anymore. And it's mirrored with the two young loves of, uh, Claudio, played by Robert Sean Leonard, and Hero, played by Kate Beckinsale, in her first... This was her first role, and she does a great job. Uh, basically, everyone's great in this. Let's skip, you know. Uh, it's just perfect cast. Yeah, how yeah. nuts is this cast? The the cast is ridiculous. I mean, you've you've got Imelda Staunton, you've got Umbridge, like, powdering <laughs> her décolletage in the opening right. thing, and you're just like, who isn't in this movie? <laughs> And then you're like, well, I guess maybe Michael Keaton's... Oh, nope, he's in it too. Uh, yeah, and that, speaking of... Yeah, that scene you were saying earlier, the five-minute montage of just everyone getting naked and taking baths. Like, that's... Uh, you see every character's ass. You see every... You know, you see... Uh, <laughs> yep. And it's rated PG-13, but you see some brief flashes of frontal nudity too, and it's like just everyone's having a bath. Like, uh, just gratuitous, uh, but lovely eye candy of everyone, and it's... You know they're actively like playing like a bunch of go- bunch of naked dudes playing in a bath. Like that's kind of telling you what kind of movie you're getting right away. Uh, just kind of leans into that the because you know Shakespeare has either the tragedy or the horniness, and so this is clearly uh, the latter. So it is, and I like that it deals just as much in male male friendships mm-hmm. as it does in the 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 lovers because so much of this play revolves around the fact that Claudio and and um and the prince just like they they kind of feel bad for Benedict but they also kind of just want to mm-hmm. mess with him and so it's like man how funny would it be and also maybe this would be good for him and that's like one of the biggest running plots is just this this sort of like camaraderie that you have and you you don't see a lot of that especially when it's like paired with just naked dudes taking a bath and splashing mm-hmm. at each other, um, like I feel like if this were made even today, most other directors would really tone down a lot of the, a, a lot of the imagery that you know Brana just like eh you know whatever. I mean these are soldiers they've they've been through the they've been through the the shit right. they you know whatever they're naked mm-hmm. who cares and and the camera's enjoying it because they're enjoying not having to be in wars right. anymore. 
Uh, yeah, and the, there's a great... Uh, so basically, I, I love that... The hilarious thing about this play is that, uh, like, uh, Don John is kind of a doofus. Like, he's, like he's, he thinks that he's awesome, but, like, these plans he's coming up... Basically, he, you know, his coup failed, and so he's just going to try to mess with his brother in any way he can, even if it's completely petty and doesn't really affect his brother at all. So basically, he finds out that uh, Pedro wants to set Claudio up with Hero, and he comes up with this plan to seduce him for him, and you know, in typical Shakespeare fashion, it's always got to be way more complex than it needs to be, but he invented that, so it's cool. But, um, so basically, he wants to, and he, Don John's like, I'm going to screw this up, even though it doesn't matter. Like, it's pretty great. It is, and, and here's where we're going to get into why Keanu Reeves is great and everyone who says he's bad in this movie is wrong, is that Don John uh, isn't just, like, you know, kind of an idiot. He's also just super socially mm-hmm. awkward, and he he basically, like, he has an entire monologue about this. He's like, look, I'm not good with words, I'm not good with people, I'm not good at dissembling, I'm just a jerk, and if I don't act on that, then... I have no reason to indulge in all this happiness and these frivolities. Like I'm, I can't be happy with these guys because the act of pretending to be happy with these guys makes me physically ill. Uh, I am a plain dealing villain and I just need to be that. And Reeves, who, by the way, when he's saying this is like oiled up from getting massage and he's running around half naked in firelight. It's great. Oh yeah. but but he just really he really does sell that you know he's supposed to feel a little out of place he's supposed to feel a little awkward like that's the character and you know if if people like paid attention they might know that it's like oh wait that's why they cast Keanu Reeves so he could just do that it's like when you cast him as the boogeyman because Keanu Reeves can just make you scared by walking into the room and being just a little bit off right uh, and uh, as we've talked I've talked about in other episodes of this where Keanu's kind of at his best when he's not saying anything, when he's kind of just there off to the side staring or making these small gestures, and he nails that in this. Like, he, his first line is, I'm a man of few words, but thank you. Like, and it's it's mostly just him gl- glowering, and it works great, because everyone else is, like, smiling and goofing around and trying to have sex, and he's off to the corner just being a grump. Like, it's kind of perfect. Um, and... I love how his plans are just really bad, like the and they fail immediately. Like he plans on, uh, well, you know, he's off to the, uh, well, Pedro's off wooing hero Claudio. Like he just kind of tells him like he's seducing him for him, and he's like, all right. And then we're about you know for ten minutes he believes that, and then because Claudio's an idiot. Oh my god! The only reason that Don John gets like any traction in this movie as a villain is. A, because Claudio's an idiot, and B, because his plan, which would have been completely foiled by Dogberry and the Watch, them being turned away to say, go examine them yourselves Mm -hmm. once they take his co-conspirators prisoner. It's like, no, if you'd listen to these dudes, the movie would be over one hour into the proceedings. Like, it's blind luck that he's able to even pull off anything. Yeah, and... uh... Immediately, I love the every, every scene with um, you know Brana and Thompson, um, you know, just barbing each other is joyous. Like it's you just love every second of it, and 
so they're doing that while the this is going on and um, basically like it's clear that they're into each other but they're both too just kind of burned out to admit it and it's uh, and everyone sees that and it's it's basically the you know the plot of the movie is them trying to get them to hook up uh, so I love that they Hero and Claudio are now engaged whatever uh, but then they're like okay we're bored <laughs> basically Pedro's bored so <laughs> yeah we've to, We've got a week. What are we going to do? Let's mess with our best right. friends. Uh, and it's also just... Denzel's amazing in this. It's amazing that Denzel hasn't been in more Shakespeare adaptations because he's just perfect in it. Um, and also... Oh, God. And, and this is, like, peak hot Denzel. Like, I mean, he's got he's got to the point where he's, like, just starting to get a little bit of those, like, middle-aged dude mm-hmm. looks... But but he's still like there's almost no gray hairs and he's in mad good shape and he's got like the goatee yeah. and he's just like boom and and when he asks Beatrice like would you take me for a husband uh, you're 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 kind of like what are you thinking say yes <laughs> yeah and it's all and, but then yeah he plays it really well because like it's it's kind of, it's sad like it's sad that he but she even uh, you know something Beatrice says about like. Um, she said basically, like, I would marry you, but it would be, you know, I I need someone else to also be married to because you're not, you're a prince. You're not going to be able to be fully devoted to me. And uh, you can kind of see the sadness in his uh, face. and But also that he's still like, but okay, but they're still my friends. Like, I don't care. Like, let's, let's get you guys together. Um, and I love the scenes where... Um, Basically, they come up with this plan, this elaborate plan to get them together by telling them, making them overhear, quote, in quotes, that they're in love with each other. And both scenes are just fantastic. Uh, And this is where Kenneth Branagh goes full comedy, and it's just wonderful. Like, there's this part where he's, uh, first he does a model, you know, his soliloquy of uh, what he wants in a woman, and he plays, he's, he's doing this voice throughout the movie that's, Unless your hands would come across as just lame, but it, I mean, but that's Shakespeare for you, but like, uh, he does this almost like squeaky voice and it's really great. Yeah. He's got this weird sort of, and, um, I really like that he sort of like turns that up Mm -hmm. to 11 when he has Benedict try and sing and it's just (laughs) awful, but he's, he's got the banter down, but Brana for all that he will be sort of self-aggrandizing. He absolutely plays Benedict as a bit of a sad mm-hmm. clown because people like he'll he'll be saying all these Haha, I'm so funny things and like no one really mm-hmm. cares. Like and Beatrice even says like what? No one marks you. No one's listening, dude. You're just talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. And he really sort of plays up that that just kind of hint of of, of sadness to the characters like, yeah, he's, you know, I'm going to be a bachelor and it's like, eh, maybe you're just kind of lonely and a little bit sad and you need to grow up a little bit. It's, it's something that would be easy to sort of miss or not include. And the, and the way that he will just absolutely take his own legs out from under him during that scene Mm -hmm. where, you know, he's like, Oh, well this has to be true. You know, this, there's no lie here. And it's like, Oh my God, that was such obvious, that obvious counterfeiting. Um, and of course, you get to you get to see like good actors pretend that they're bad at pretending, which is always mm-hmm. great fun. Because like you you get Claudio and then also Hero, who are mostly very um, 
like very straight laced. Like they have to be the straight yeah. young couple to the sort of fun couple. Um, but you get to see them be a little bit funny with Claudio doing the beats her chest, pulls yeah, yeah. her hair, and 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 Hero just kind of being like a little bit coy and playful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also have like the um, Hero's maid and and Leonato be like just so bad, yeah. so bad at this improvisational. I heard that they said they loved them. Truly, mm-hmm. yeah, and the and the staging of it's great. Like I think of something Shakespeare with. Urban is really great at is they don't really they never feel stage bound like it's very much he remembers that it's supposed to be a movie but then he's also calling attention like this kind of gets meta in some shots like where he's uh like direct like you know he even looks at the camera at one point and the but uh <laughs> yeah. and there's this part where he's like he's basically trying to set up this chair like and he can't do it and so it's kind of showing like how bad he is at you know everything like and it's just a great slapstick beat where he like when he sees that they're coming he acts like oh i'm i'm gonna be stealthy here and they're not gonna know i'm here but yeah like you said it's very obvious that they're um playing it up but he thinks that he's the one that's good at this so that there's no way that they could uh trick him and but like but uh the way they're like um improvising is hilariously bad like the uh, even Denzel does this where they're, they're like uh, this will work you know the, we're, we're convincing but uh, but it's a it's a Shakespeare comedy so that's what's going to be um, but yeah so basically they do this uh, you know say that they're in love with each other uh, and then there's this great tracking shot through the garden while the song is playing that's just amazing and it's literally just him floating over this nice, you know, this hedge maze, this garden, and it's just a really great shot. Yeah, it gives you a great sense of the geometry as to, because Benedict and Beatrice are bamboozled in opposite sides of the exact same, the exact mm-hmm. same place. Like, their they're, they're little um, things take it, you know, they're, they're literally two halves of a whole. Like, it's, it's good visual storytelling. It's also good... Um, to see because you get a lot of big shots of the location and you're never really confused as to where everyone is but it's also just really neat to see it's like oh okay so that's exactly where they were and they were and you get like um not it's not necessarily dramatic irony but you get this like cool little bit where you see that they're both having the exact same Mm -hmm. experience just feet away from each other uh and i love the this you can't not watch and or read this play and not realize that this is basically the foundation of every romantic comedy. Like it's literally the it's that you know that they're playing a trick on them and they both hate each other, but they're actually in love. And uh, I mean, this is kind of like the original '90s rom-com. Like it's pretty great, uh, and he leans into that in a big way. Oh yeah, it does, uh, and it's sort of like Shakespeare. Well, I mean, this play in particular is kind of like Shakespeare's, like, um, really perfecting a lot of his own mm-hmm. tricks because it's sort of like Taming of the Shrew, except not problematic. And, like, I, I think the only one of his bag of tricks that he doesn't necessarily use is having a man dress up as a woman or a woman dress mm-hmm. up as a man. Like, it's it's really sort of like him just going, okay, what have I done before? How can I make it more right. awesome? Yeah, it's just kind of, it's just the ultimate, kind of, like, and how low stakes it is you know it's very low stakes because like 
no one actually dies. Like, there's... I mean, there's a part where... So, like, basically, the the plan that John, Don John has that does work is uh, have one of his goons uh, seduce Hero's um, handmaiden and have him say, Oh, Hero, and, like, how... But it just shows how Claudio's dumb. Like, he doesn't take a minute to think that this doesn't make any sense. Like, why would she be sleeping with that guy? And also, why would it be right there? And I'm not actually going to make sure that I can see her face. It's like, I'm just going to believe her. Uh, So, Claudio kind of sucks. There's only one brunette in this entire Mm -hmm. estate. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, and... What an idiot. And it's just, like... uh, It makes sense why later... uh, So, basically, he... Uh, and the great part of it is, like, Dogberry's guys immediately find out about the plan, but he's so bad at his job, even though he, see, like, he's a, he seems like a nice guy, but he's just so bad at his job. And Michael Keaton is amazing as Dogberry, I think. He's got the funniest scene in the movie. Um, but, like, his introduction is great. Like, the full-out, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, fake horse. He's riding a fake horse, like the straight out of uh, Monty Python. Like, he's got the... And it's just a great introduction showing that he's a bumbling fool. And so it makes sense why... uh, Like, so basically he goes to tell Leonardo before the wedding that, like, um, something's up, something's up. Don't go through with it. And he's... But he's so bad at it that Leonardo doesn't understand what he's saying. Yeah, he has no idea what what words (laughs) mean. Like, he, he keeps... It's and Michael Keaton is really good. Um, I've I I can't not picture um, Nathan Fillion's Dogberry though, just because. I mean, as much as I love this version, I think it's probably the best version of Much Ado About Nothing. The 2012 one where Nathan Fillion is basically playing, like, CSI version oh, of yeah, Dogberry. Oh, like, he's from he, Ca- like, Castle, <laughs> but, all, but doing Shakespeare. Like, yeah, I do love that version. Yeah. He, he, like, he even does the bit with the sunglasses, and but... Like, but that's sort of like an example of like I love how you get such wildly differing interpretations of different mm-hmm. characters and Keaton's Dogberry is like unlike anything, not just in the movie but like any, unlike anything you really see in Shakespeare right. it's more like Beetlejuice yeah, yeah. than anything else. Uh, yeah, and there's this yeah, uh, this great scene with him uh, when we, when the like the trial, uh, when he's finally like showing uh, and it's basically him speaking gibberish and there's even part where he's like the guy calls him an ass and he's like okay with this like he embraces it like he thinks that that means that he's awesome or something and it's just this great there's just it's basically him doing a slapstick thing with him like I'm an ass and it's just, it's brilliant um but yeah he's playing he's basically him and Counter to do doing both uh completely different performances than anyone else in the play in it but it works for, um, I, I just think, and they're, they're not in it very much. Like they're basically each have three or four scenes, and but they make the most out of it. Yeah, they really do. You sort of forget that that Don John just like basically runs away from most mm-hmm. of the third act of the movie, but it it doesn't like. I, I didn't realize like how much he wasn't in the movie until this most recent rewatch because I was I was kind of you know looking out from a boy Keanu and I was like oh wait he just kind of that's right he just disappears he's like peace y'all I'm out I you know I kicked over your table I'm going yeah. 
and but it still feels like his presence is still very much there because just everything like all these people who are having such a good time and these characters that you really do like and everything's just like really effed up now and you're like no and then of course because it's Shakespeare you know they've got to like devise the most complicated plan to to fix it like bringing in a priest who's like hey you should pretend to be dead like like he really likes doing that like Romeo and Juliet does that it's like I don't know what priests deals are at Shakespeare but they're kind of weird yeah and the yeah so like when Claudio uh he decides to not you know he doesn't cancel the wedding he decides to be a douche and like have the wedding but then publicly shame her to the point and and her dad like just immediately believes him, like, oh, she must be a, you know, a tramp. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill her. And like the, yeah. And then the priest is like, yeah. Instead of let's confront this and maybe find out what happened, we'll do it by faking your death, forcing him to, uh, you know, give an epitaph at your funeral, and then, uh, you know, and then uh, we'll marry you to his, marry him to your cousin that looks just like you. Like, okay, that's fine. That's obviously the most sure. That's way what to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, normal people do that all the time. Uh, yeah, and the so yeah, the this plant. But then uh, there's this, I think one of my favorite scenes between uh, Beatrice and Benedict is when after they came up with this plan, uh, they're in the little chapel, and this is when they finally confess, you know, their love to each other. And the first thing Beatrice says is, "Kill Claudio," uh, and he's like. Uh, no, I can't do that. But then, okay, fine, it's fine. I'll do it. And uh, but it's just a, it's a real, gr- really great scene between them because it's first really romantic and then kind of dark, like, and it works really well. I do like that you get to see a little bit of a different because we've seen Beatrice be like you know very passionate about things, and she seems like a little bit more. We see her get a little bit real, like earlier during the party. She she has that scene with the mm-hmm. prince where she's. You know, she kind of lets her mask down a little bit. And Benedict, like, we get to see him build on this where he's like, okay, you know, it's time for me to kind of, like, figure out where my... Not necessarily where his loyalties lie, but, like, where where his morality is. Like, what, you know, I've got to decide, you know, who I think is right and who I'm going to support. And when he's like, okay, no, I'm going to call Claudio out because this was wrong. And I'm going to either call him a coward or duel him to, you know, mm-hmm. the death as, as you do. And, and the scene where he confronts Claudio, it's like, that gets real. That that's about the darkest the movie yeah. gets. Cause you've like got, got these two sworn brothers and he's like, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to prescribe you a coward. So you better make your peace with God. Yeah. And I, you know, it, because of how, uh, you know, Robert Sean Leonard doesn't, you know, he leans into the being a dick part in that, you know, wedding scene. And you're kind of like, even if she was, you know, even if he was, um, didn't really know, you know, if he was, even though he was tricked, he was still being a jerk. Like, and they don't let him off the hook on that. Like, really make him suffer, make him, uh, realize what he did. And to the point, cause it could have very easily just been like, oh no, it's fine. Let's get, you know, he didn't mean it, but he, fake, you know, tricked or not, he was still, you know, he still humiliated her. And so you kind of get why she would want him to get killed. Like, uh, it's a false accusation, but still he deserves to some kind of punishment, you know? And so making him, 
uh, you know, breaking his heart by making him feel guilty for uh, humiliating her is, you know, it's, it's a well, it's well played. It is, and it's sort of a, it, it, they're basically doing to him what he did to her, like, you know, that you, you've got the, you know, the anguish of, like, someone that you loved has been, uh, you know, this this destruction on something that you love, and then he also has to basically, like, you know, he's not necessarily, like, a social pariah the way that you would be if you were declared to be a wanton in that time period, if you're a woman, but he does basically have to go up and, like, castigate himself. He's like, yeah, um, this was a lie, and it killed an innocent woman, and that's on me. Like, he really does have to face the music on this, and I'm glad that, you know, again, in 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 the hands of a, of a lesser writer than the greatest writer in English mm. language history, um, like, he, he might be, like, just let off the hook with a, whoopsie doodles, my bad. But no, like, they really make him work for it, and I like that. Yeah, and, but then it's also funny, like, Leonardo's, like, the way to, you know, that I'll forgive you is if you get married to another woman that's also very attractive, like, yeah, good, good punishment there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then uh, Dogberry has one final scene of basically, like, him not knowing what happened. Like, he's kind of like, did I do a good job? And he's, but Leonardo just kind of wants to get rid of him. Like, he's... Like, uh, go away. <laughs> and he's like... I give thee leave to depart. And he's go. still just standing there like... Uh, if you want to meet me sometime, let's have some fun. Like, it's... Yeah. And then and then just rides off and into the bush. Like, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, and I think Michael... Again, like, I just like the fact that, yeah, Michael Keaton is going full Beetlejuice there where he's just fully almost you can't you can hardly understand the words he's saying even if you're a uh shakespeare expert but it, it works to his the fact that you would believe that he would be able to fumble such an obvious uh you know investigation so it works to its benefit but uh and so yeah finally uh it comes to the uh like you were saying uh, the, the scene with um benedict and claudio yeah it is really intense because as they say like the difference between a Shakespeare comedy and a tragedy is basically the ending like because all of his even his darkest plays are kind of fun I mean Macbeth's not very funny but like the uh, you know but like they all have big stakes but it's just if it has a happy ending it's a comedy so but this is probably I mean this is obviously the light one of his lighter uh, plays but still it gets to it goes to some dark places where I mean, a father almost killed his daughter. So, like, that's that's some shit. Yeah, and you've and you've got you know Leonato and his brother, and uh, you know Brian Blessed doesn't get to yell enough mm-hmm. in this movie. But God, I love seeing Brian Blessed in anything. Um, you've got like Leonato and and his brother like challenging. Well, not necessarily challenging, but like you know saying to the prince and Claudia, "Is like y'all done effed mm-hmm. up? Y'all done really effed up?" Like it, and and these guys like they were just like they were bosom buddies. Like they were the they were just really enjoying each other's company and hanging out and like things could not have been better between them to like just a day ago. And to see that just like really curdle, it's, I mean, it is low stakes in terms of like, you know, no one really dies, but like the emotional stakes really do feel sold by, you know, stuff Mm -hmm. like that, stuff like Benedict and Claudio and, and, you know, Benedict basically saying in the most polite way, you know, to the Prince, you can go pound Mm -hmm. sand. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and again, it's all soul. Just the acting is just 
top notch. Like it's just so good. And uh, uh, obviously, you know, adapting Shakespeare is always tough, especially for a movie that's like less than two hours long. I mean, there's a reason that Hamlet's four hours long. So I, I mean, I like. I think he does a good job of both versions of that. So this is obviously the one where he just takes the most, the funniest and the most uh, meaningful parts of it, and you know, concentrates it into. Uh, an hour 45 in it but it just works really well because of mainly because of the performances like they just sell all of it even if they're not talking through their you know subtle expressions and uh but the, i really i think the most impressive uh cr- craftsmanship part of the movie is this funeral procession uh it's just really uh haunting and with the you know just like torch lights coming through a uh, italian countryside to this uh you know graveyard and it's just really uh you can see the uh the reason uh Brana has has that want to go you know more uh non-shakespeare with his things like you know uh thor most recently uh the great uh murder on the orient express like i think he does a good job of that he has a great visual eye and he's not just good with performances and i think that's the most uh, interesting scene in terms of that, uh, from that perspective. It helps that we get so intimately familiar with the, with basically the rest of the, the villa or manor or what, whatever you, you want to call the, the, the big house that everyone's staying in. And then you've got this, um, this procession that's like in the dark when most of the rest of the movie is either during the day or very well lit by lots and lots mm-hmm. of torches. Um, you've got very low light. You're in a very different sort of location. It's almost dreamlike. It's it's like the movie is taking this um, sort of like um, not not tragic, but you know, somewhat melancholy detour. And even though you know this movie makes really good use of dramatic mm-hmm. irony, um, because it's like you know you know something, but the characters don't. Like when Dogberry's at the door and they're about to have the wedding, you're like Leonardo, listen to this <laughs> dude. New shit has come to light. And or or when when we're doing this and like Claudio, like he he thinks that he has lost the love of his life. He's going to be, you know, he's basically like marrying someone else just so that, you know, he will be able to um, like restore some something of his honor from having basically taken this dude's daughter away from him. Like, you know, he's not necessarily like thinking that his life is over, but he's like, man, this really, really sucks to be me. And you're sitting there going, yeah, you're going to be okay, but yeah, this is, this, this is just a little bit, like, this is really touching. Yeah, like, and also like, yeah, you kind of deserve that for a little, like you were, uh, you were, yeah, you oh, suck. Yeah. <laughs> but like, good thing these people like you and that you're, you know, that your friends are sticking out for you, even if they're going to make you suffer a little bit because, uh, but yeah, and then, uh, so they, have the wedding, um, and right before, you know, when everyone's having a, uh, Claude, or Benedict at the last minute comes up with the idea that he wants to, uh, marry Beatrice too, and so he, like, uh, but it, it just, Brown does a great job of being that, uh, you know, cynical, uh, guy who doesn't believe in love anymore, to just flipping the switch to, like, I was just bullshitting because I was, you know, miserable, and so, uh, he does a great job of that, and so this part where he's, like, just giddy, ready to be married after at the beginning saying that he'd never get married. And, uh, yeah, he just does a great job. And, uh, I just, then the just joy, like the, the, the wedding scene is great. Like the, 
Um, the reveal of uh, that Hero's not dead is great. Um, and then it cuts to uh, Benedict and Beatrice getting married. And uh, I love the scene where they're like still denying that they're in love with each other. It's just it's great. And everyone's like, oh, come on. Uh, it's just, it's your, it's a... Yeah, but they... Go ahead. They do get to have like a little bit of their... You know, since since they since they had like a massive trick pulled on them, and you know they don't mind too much, but you can tell they're kind of getting some of their own back because they're like, "Hey, someone told me that you love me." Well, that's BS. Someone told me, and so of course, like we've already seen them declare their love for each other. We know they're in it for the long right. haul, but they're they're basically just there to like goof on their friends and clown on mm-hmm. them a little bit, and yeah, that's just really fun to see them play it up a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, because they're still. There's a reason they were so good at being mean to each other is because that's who they are, and they're not going to suddenly pretend that they're uh, they're not going to suddenly just be nice to each other all the time because that's not who they fell in love with. And so uh, that scene with them kind of yeah doing that last thing is like uh, good. Uh, they're married, but now everyone's married, everyone's happy. Uh, Don John's going to get they like I, there's this great part like right at the end uh, after this great tracking shot of. Uh, them all being happy, like Don John's, like, oh, we caught him. It's fine. We're good. Uh, we're not going to explain how we caught him or what we're going to do with them, uh, but we'll take him away. And he, so he just get dragged away by two guards, and uh, it's it's a great, great final shot of uh, Don John getting dragged away. But uh, and then just the ending of this movie is, I think, what sells it as one of my favorite movies ever, just because it's just pure joy of. Uh, floating over these people dancing and the music's great and the, everyone's attractive and look at these scenery and uh, it's and it goes for a long time like there's uh, it's almost like a five minute tracking shot over just these people dancing and not and it's a really great final shot it is I think we get to like see and we get to see like basically everyone like even I kind of like that Patrick Doyle mm-hmm. the the composer that Brand has been using forever is like he gets a bit part as like the musician and the musician like plays to them earlier in the movie and they bring the musician mm-hmm. back for this shot. And like everyone is like, uh, unless it was basically like Conrad Baraccio and Don John are like the only people who don't get to have fun because they were the biggest dicks. Right. But everyone else is just like, you know what we, you know, again, like we, we earned this. Um, I, I really do um, like how this really plays up the, the the especially with the way it underlines Beatrice and Benedict's relationship is that the the romance it's not just about like being in love it's also about like having fun like that's why Beatrice and Benedict are one of my favorite couples um, I I kind of feel a lot of kinship with them because um, my wife and I met each other uh, at a young age and immediately like kind of uh, we were we were little Beatrice and Benedict when things started out like we we sniped at each other a lot before we actually got together and. And stuff. So, like, I feel a real kinship with that, like, dynamic. Um, but I, I love how, like, this is just like romance isn't just like, you know, romance is fun. Mm-hmm. It's not just, um, it, it's not just like a, a some ethereal thing. Like, it's this down, um, down in the flesh, down in the bones, like, really enjoyable thing. Um, like, it's just this like big giant party. You know, when it's when it's at its best. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. And that's what's so great about this is like, uh, it just, it's a deep, it's maybe his most, I'm not an expert by any means, but it's just one of his most romantic, uh, plays for sure. And it's just complete, you know, 
just hopeless romance that like even these two uh you know burned out cynics can fall in love and like it's it's uh you don't change who you are but also you know just find if you, you want to find someone that you can just be joyous with right like it's just uh yeah it's just wears its heart on its sleeve and uh i love the the song you know they that uh that sonnet you know basically that sonnet of uh and i you know the basically that men suck like that's kind of what that uh uh song's about and it's i i really love that yeah and it's it's sort of the it's one of the theses of the of the film is like you know just let it go you know if these if 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 the dude sucks just let it go don't don't try and change yourself don't try and compromise and that's again that's reflected in the central romances like beatrice and benedict they don't change necessarily like they're still you know they're they're less you know they they be a, they're a little less right. cynical, but it's not like they completely change them. Again, it's not like the Taming of right. the Shrew, where it's it's really kind of awkward and emotionally mm-hmm. abusive. Like it's it's more about like if this person isn't right for you, then kick him to the curb and sing Hey Naughty Naughty because you'll you know you'll find someone else. Yeah, and you know I, the, my one of my favorite lines in the is like he says, "Man is a giddy thing," you know, and this is my conclusion. Like so, it's like you know humans are weird like let's but let's just uh kind of love each other and let's be like uh let's just get on with it like uh you know war is stupid it's basically what you know because this is one of the few you know where we don't see the war at all it's just about these guys wanting to move on from it and like this is what life's about and so i think ronan just kind of nailed it and i think there's a reason it's such a popular movie and why he got to make a four hour long uh, hamlet after this uh yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that that's pretty much it for uh, much to do about nothing. Thanks so much for being on the show, Brendan. Always my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Uh, so join me next time where we'll be talking about the uh, Bernardo Bertolucci movie Little Buddha. Uh, until then, uh, keep being excellent to each other. <laughs> <laughs>